Today on the Rochester Rundown, we'll take a look at the changing future of downtown Rochester, more specifically the relationship between Mayo Clinic employees, patients, and the businesses that serve them. With more destination patients staying home instead of flying into Rochester, plus thousands of downtown workers now getting the bulk of their work done from home, what happens to the businesses that depend on that foot traffic? We talk with business owners in the downtown area, plus local leaders searching for answers. That story coming up in a bit. Plus, a big week of news. We'll look at what the city council put on the ballot for November, check on the city's COVID-19 numbers, a concerning uptick on Thursday, and an update on campaign finance. I'm Isaac Janes. It's Friday, August 7th, 2020, and let's get to the news. It's a list no business owner wants to be on, but unfortunately, it's growing fast. Small businesses killed by COVID-19. I mean, obviously this will, I suppose, will end, and and I would think that the downtown would be vibrant once again at some point, but I can't wait that out. That's Leanne Zube, manager of Lettuce Unite. She says she became accustomed to certain faces over her two years operating the salad shop, primarily employees of Mayo, businesses in the Bio Business Center, and various other downtown buildings. After reopening, though, lots of those faces simply didn't return. And at the end of August, Lettuce Unite won't return to its spot in the Galleria Skyway food court. Well, the third and final thing for us was just finding out the big crunch of mayo people that would continue to work from home from now on. And it just made me think about the bio building and guessing that was probably one just because I haven't seen their faces and I've been watching those, those buildings. So... Um, that's our was our bread and butter, and if that's not coming back, nobody's going to come back for a while. I mean- Zubay's business is far from the only one feeling the effects of COVID-19. Carol Bitan's home goods retail shop, Counterpoint, is a short walk up the Skyway from Lettuce Unite in the middle of the Galleria. She says her store is not under imminent threat of closure, but business has slowed considerably, and the store's hours have been shortened as a result. A big chunk of her clientele hasn't returned since Counterpoint reopened, mainly because... They don't live here. But for the most part, our main business is the Mayo Clinic patient. And we don't see a lot of them that we know for many years coming back. Uh, We do see new ones. We see people coming from the area. But as far as our good old customers (laughs) from (laughs) L.A., Las Vegas, New York, Atlanta, Florida, we don't see them much. For businesses that rely on clinic-related traffic, there's a problem brewing, born from COVID concerns but with potential to outlast the pandemic. Rochester's downtown is set up to support a large base of clinic workers and patients, a downtown employee base near 40,000, not to mention more than 2 million yearly patients and visitors at the clinic. So if Mayo Clinic's capacity is limited to even 90%, that translates to hundreds of thousands of patients staying home. And for the patients that do come to Rochester, it's become much more of a hazard than an adventure to explore the Skyway. Additionally, thousands of clinic employees, anyone in non-patient care roles, according to a Mayo spokesperson, will work remotely for the foreseeable future, at least through the end of the year. So this all begs the question, how can a city of 115,000 people support a downtown that rivals cities twice its size? Mark Bilderbeck, the city council member representing the downtown area, has seen the city grow threefold in his lifetime. He says that it may not be possible in the short term to keep some of Rochester's favorite downtown businesses alive. Because the businesses will bleed money until the people come back downtown. And until this goes away or people feel safe, they won't come back downtown. 
So I wish we had an answer. I just don't. I, I think we will be fine five years from today, you know, but I, I don't know if we will be next year. It is easier and cheaper for a city to give financial support to existing businesses than search for new tenants. The city of Rochester, however, can only do so much to help those current tenants. With a tightening budget of its own, city officials must wait for state and federal funding to come down the line after utilizing the first round of CARES Act funding. And by that point, Builderback says, it may be too late for the money to help the business owners that need it. By the time we get money, by the time we can get programs out, it's three, four months after they needed it three, four months ago. And, and so I get a lot of neighbors who I've helped in the past who are just very frustrated now and don't think we're doing anything or don't do enough. And uh, that's hard. It's hard. But I surely understand where they're coming from. Lisa Clark, director of Destination Medical Center's Economic Development Agency, says DMC's Business Forward program, originally meant to help businesses affected by construction, was retooled to include businesses hit hard by the pandemic. She adds that she believes DMC's role in keeping small business afloat is to act as a facilitator, linking businesses with patients and providing the infrastructure for visitors to safely get to the storefronts. One idea, implemented just recently, brings the owners directly to the patients. The businesses came together and said it would sure help if our hotels had some kind of new signage, new video, uh, new ways to tell people to get out there and shop. We yeah. are open. And so the hotels came together and started to create videos that they can put in their, hot in their own hotels to push people out into the streets, out into the skyways, and make them understand that it's safe. This is not a problem afflicting Rochester alone. Small businesses all across the country are fighting to stay alive. Lots of downtown businesses were already preparing for a tough summer thanks to a heap of new construction. Now, with the project soldiering on and a paralyzing global pandemic overhead, 2020 has turned into a year worse than any worst-case scenario. For CounterPoint and Bitan, she's trying to quickly adapt and adjust, focusing on online ordering and staying in contact with those destination patients that make up the bulk of her sales. If patients won't come to Rochester and visit the store, the store will have to come to them. So I think there's, there are people out there that like CounterPoint, and I think there are people out there that would support us. We just need to get in touch with them again, whether they come back to Mayo Clinic as patients or whether they stay at home and go to their teleconferencing. But CounterPoint needs to be in their mind, and mm -hmm. that's what we're striving to do. And CounterPoint is one of the fortunate ones, with the luxury to contact former customers and the ability to ship goods pretty easily. Restaurants like Lettuce Unite, unfortunately, can't do that. Their money was made in 90-minute lunch rushes, and now, with smaller crowds and fewer people coming downtown, the thin profit margins disappeared entirely. For a restaurant that relies on such a small window of time to make its money, every customer is essential even for the best-run restaurants. So that was a struggle anyway without any of this coming in? I mean, you had to be pretty savvy to figure out how to keep things going and the wheels turning, which I'd kind of like to hope we were in that, heading in that direction. Now we'll look at the top stories from the week that was on our site, medcitybeat.com. Olmstead County Public Health reported 39 new cases of COVID-19 on Thursday, breaking the single-day record for cases reported in a single day. Public health officials said it was unclear whether Thursday's reported spike in cases was legitimate or a result of delays in reporting from the Minnesota Department of Health. 
before Thursday's seven-day rolling averages had been on a steady decline for weeks. In a unanimous vote Monday, the Rochester City Council decided to give residents the final say on a proposed $2 million annual tax levy designed to give Rochester Parks and Recreation added funding for improving park access, safety, and conservation. If the referendum passes on November 3rd, a homeowner with property valued at $200,000 would pay $33 more per year in property taxes. The local primaries are less than a week away, and local city candidates had to file their pre-primary reports early this week. By a large margin, the race with the most money at play is the at-large president seat, with over $20,000 in contributions pouring into the three candidates' campaigns since June 12th. Kathleen Harrington leads in spending, while Brooke Carlson boasts the most cash on hand. All these stories and more, like the grand opening of Spark and a roundup of the other topics from Monday's City Council meeting, are online now at medcitybeat.com. And that is where we'll leave it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, the best way to support us is to become a member, be a part of quality local journalism at medcitybeat.com slash membership. I'm Isaac James from Med City Beat. Have a great weekend. Make sure you get your primary votes in by Tuesday, and I'll talk to you next Friday.